sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. When we think about the apostles in the Gospels in the New Testament, we think about men like Peter, James, John, these men who we read about who play crucial, critical roles in the life of the early church. But what about the other guys? What about the guys who, frankly, we don't know anything about at all? Why were they chosen by apostles? What can we learn about them as we read the Gospels? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that, as always, we love listener feedback. So if you have questions about this episode, if you have ideas for future episodes, or you just want to... You're not going to get anything now. (laughs) (laughs) Table from me in studio. Hey, Renee. Hello, Chris. So, Renee, uh, I I had unexpectedly had to be away from the office for a couple weeks. Yes, we had a little hiatus, and and it's like two weeks of no new episodes of Ignition. That has happened in years. I'm surprised they aren't banging down the door. Years and years and years. Come on, guys. That's also why Ignition at sfcatholic.org. Renee was concerned why nobody cared. Why nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, actually, no, my dad cared. He called me. Like, Did he? Where's the new ignition? And I was with my family. There's a, 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 a death in the family. And oh, well, because usually you're so far ahead usually, that those things don't, it impact, doesn't get interrupted yeah. very, right, very right. often. This is, so. this just goes to show it's important to yeah. work ahead. Stay ahead. Stay ahead. Stay ahead. So, um, Renee, we, I uh, I give you some advance notice this time. You like you, like you, fifteen minutes? Not fifteen. Well, by minutes. the time I got to my desk, it was fifteen well, minutes. I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, little, yeah. Uh, I I I am somewhat famously don't give Renee Crans <laughs> very much the time, and which you should take as as uh, uh, as a compliment. Should I? Okay. I'm I'm confident you think that so. you will be able to help me. Uh, do something worth people's time. That sit here in silence. No preparation okay. whatsoever. All right, all right. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk to. I, I sort of tease the, the apostles in general, mm-hmm. but we're going to we're going to we're going to. Hmm, our jumping off point is going to be Saint Bartholomew or Nathaniel in okay. particular, and we're going to be looking at um, a, a talk, a general a teaching that. Pope Benedict XVI, may he rest in peace, gave way back in the fall of 2006. Before you start that, I have a question. Yes. I was thinking that Bartholomew replaced Judas. I'm totally wrong. Yeah, you, who, yeah. who replaced Judas? Matthias. Well, I mean, obviously I'm wrong, but I was thinking like <laughs> Bartholomew and Nathaniel. I'm so confused right now. They're part of the OG apostles. The OG? That he is part of the OG apostles. Okay. Yeah. That's the Greek is the OG apostles. OG. We just, yeah. Um, okay. People don't know what OG means until now. So now we, no, um, <laughs> M- Matthias was the one who, Matthias. uh, his name, when they cast lots in Acts chapter one, I think, okay. um, he's the one who, who took Judas's office. Right. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> they don't do it by casting lots anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Just the, the guy with the That's white an actual call. Picks. Yes. A, maybe he's casting lots up maybe there. Maybe <laughs> His Maybe. names on, on some yeah, yeah. On some sticks or something. Right, just right. pick Cast one. <laughs> I don't think so. Pretty sure not. But good. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, so so the the starting point, a teaching that Pope Benedict XVI gave in the fall of 2006 about Saint Bartholomew, aka Saint Nathaniel, mm-hmm. um, and 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 why this this um, why this topic right now. Um, because we just celebrated a few weeks ago uh, on 
on August 24th, mm-hmm. the feast of St. Bartholomew, okay. a.k.a. Nathaniel. Uh, and, and in the monthly devotional that I, that I use, um, is it really a monthly devotional or is it really a daily devotional, Renee, actually? Well, do you You're have devotions every day? Yes. Then it's a daily devotional. But it's a monthly magazine. It's a monthly daily devotional. <laughs> so Magnificat. Many people are familiar with Magnificat, which I was kind of a monthly devotional, but maybe maybe a monthly daily it's devotional. It's a m- published monthly daily devotional. There. I fixed it. There we go. Um, so in there for the reflection on August 24th, they offer a little reflection, an excerpt from some writing. They actually offered a good chunk of this particular teaching. And I was really struck by it uh, as I read it that day, uh, back on October 24th, or August 24th, rather. So I thought it would be a great thing to discuss as Mm -hmm. part of Ignition. You'll see why. This is, I I struggle with this. So um, in journalism, you were taught not to bury the lead. Right. But I like... To like, I I want people you to like be to bury intrigued. The lead. I don't, I don't I, see. I don't think it's burying the lead in the way that I do. I think it's enticing people. Hopefully, give them enough that they oh to 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 spark or pique their curiosity. Yeah, uh, and then get to well. See, the thing is, is that in journalism school, you're writing in a newspaper that has limited space. So the reason you don't bury the lead is because you only have so many inches of column to write in. This is, of course, years ago. So, because people will stop reading at some point, sure. well, that's you want to make sure you want to make sure they you want to make sure they get all the important stuff in the beginning. Right. This is not news. Oh, there you go. This Thank is you. teaching. There you go. So you may bury the lead, unquote, so barely. to speak. <laughs> Entice the yeah, whatever. Just don't do it for too long. All right. I won't. <laughs> so what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna we're gonna read a little bit and then talk about the implications for us today. Okay. This is hinting at the lead okay. of uh, what Pope Benedict yes. said about St. Yes, this is the what's in it for me. Yes, this is the exactly. Mm-hmm. So he starts off, dear brothers and sisters, in the series on the apostles called by Jesus during his earthly life. So Pope Benedict at the time was doing a whole series of catechesis of teaching oh. on the apostles. Okay. Uh, and he started with those called by Jesus during his earthly life. So Peter, Simon, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Nathaniel, a.k.a. Bartholomew. Mm-hmm and Simon, Jude, and Judas, and so on. Today, it is the Apostle Bartholomew who attracts our attention. In the ancient lists of the 12 apostles, he always comes before Matthew, whereas the name of the apostle who precedes him varies. It may be Philip or Thomas. So we read in the Gospels uh, the lists of the 12. And here I just want to talk briefly about the distinction between the dis- a disciple and the apostles. Yeah. yeah. Or an apostle. Uh, so... We do read, again, list in, in the Gospels, we find the lists of the 12 apostles. They're, sometimes they're called the 12 disciples. So these were 12 men of the many who came to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Some of them were amongst his first disciples. So in Matthew chapter 4, we read about the call of the first disciples. It was Simon, who would be called Peter, mm-hmm. uh, and his brother Andrew, and James and John. Right. Jesus calls them as their um doing their fisherman thing in Matthew chapter four. Fishing? No, they were cleaning their nets. <laughs> oh, true. Yes. Okay. So see, they were see, working. They were working. Um, <laughs> so, so he calls many of them, but at a certain point we read in the gospels of his disciples of the larger group of his disciples. So Renee, what's a disciple? 
Someone who follows Jesus? Yes, yes. Straightforward. Somebody who follows Jesus literally means a student, mm-hmm. but in the context of, context of uh, ancient Judaism, as practiced certainly by Jesus' time, in the context for us today as Catholics, as Christians, somebody who follows Jesus, who follows his teachings, who follows his example, uh, who recognizes him as rabbi, the teacher, right. as master. Right. So that's what a disciple is. But of, of the many disciples that Jesus would come to have— he would choose 12 of them to be the 12 apostles. Sometimes they're called the 12, sometimes the, the apostles, the 12 apostles kind of varies. So of all the all these men and women were called to follow Jesus as his disciples. But of that larger group, 12 individual men were called to follow him as his apostles. Mm-hmm. Do you, Renee, happen, this is, this is, this is higher, we're moving up the difficulty scale here. Um, do you know what the word apostle means? Oh boy. Probably knew it once. It means <laughs> <laughs> I probably heard it is yes, what I should say. I probably heard you, it. And you probably forgot it. Yes, yes I'm sure. Uh, so an apostle is one who is sent. Okay, sure. An apostle an apostle is one who is sent. Now there's a way in which every disciple ultimately is, is sent. sent. Yeah. Lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. All of us as disciples are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're all sent. In that sense, but the apostles, in a preeminent way, were called, to, and their their successors, bishops, are called to proclaim the gospel in an authoritative manner in right. the life of the church and the world. Right. So we see that it was first the 12 that Jesus sent forth to proclaim the gospel, even while he was still alive. Mm-hmm. It was the 12 minus Judas, so the 11. At the end of Matthew's gospel, that Jesus, Jesus, he gave them the great commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. So the, the 12 had, so they're chosen, uh, they had a particular role of, of going and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. healing, uh, casting out demons, and teaching. Um, so you've got the larger group of disciples were among them. And then from them, certain men were chosen and are chosen today as dis- apostles, today bishops. Okay. okay. So when we read here, just again with, again with Bartholomew, this is part of the series that Pope Benedict had done on all of the 12 apostles. The apostles, they were disciples, but not every disciple is an apostle. Right. Are you with me? Right. Yep. Yeah. Were there any other apostles besides the 12? Because I've sometimes heard priests yeah, so, say that. Yeah. So, a- so after... The ascension after Pentecost, you have men like Paul oh, sure. um, and Barnabas who become apostles. Okay. Uh, who have, but but that means they have that authoritative office within the church, mm-hmm. where they are able, yeah, to to go in an authoritative way, commissioned by either by directly by Jesus Himself or by the twelve right. to proclaim the gospel right. of Jesus okay. Christ. Okay, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. All right, so Pope Benedict goes on. His name is clearly uh, his name is clearly Renee a patronymic. Obviously, obviously, it's a patronymic <laughs> uh, since it is formulated with an explicit reference to his father's name. So, do you know what a patronymic is, Renee? Well, the context probably. Yeah, the context help. helps, but it's basically a formulation from something else. I guess yes. is how I would de- without uh, knowing the definition. That's how I would patronymic. With, with regard to the father. So yeah. it's it's a connection in the name to one's father. Right. So Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John. Mm-hmm. So Bartholomew, his name is clear patronymic since it's formulated with explicit reference to his father's name. Indeed, indeed it is probably a name with an Aramaic stamp. So Bartholomew, Bartholomew. 
So bar in Aramaic meant son of. Right. And Ptolemy was an, uh, a family a, a name. Jewish, a family yeah, name. Yeah. Well, his dad's name. Right. Um, which means precisely son of Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. So Bartholomew literally means son of Ptolemy. Right. Um, so uh, just a little detail about the name there. We have no special information about Bartholomew. Indeed, his name always and only appears in the list of the 12 mentioned above and is therefore never central to to any narrative. So the name Bartholomew, Mm -hmm. we know nothing else about him with that name. Right. Okay. I'm going to come back to this, but there's some more that it's important to mention. However, it has traditionally been identified. So the name has been traditionally identified with Nathaniel, a name that means God has given. So traditionally... So we do read about uh, Bartholomew, he's always listed in the 12, but we also read about one of the, the disciples uh, who is part of Jesus' inner circle, who is named Nathaniel. Okay. So traditionally, they've always been identified as the same guy. Right. I assume Nathaniel's not listed in the list when Bartholomew Correct. is. Right. Correct. Is is Nathaniel listed sometimes in the list and then no Bartholomew? Uh, you know, well, or is it always... Nathaniel is predominantly in John's gospel. Okay. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to double check this. Uh, if, if I'm wrong about this, you can email rcrans at no. Uh, <laughs> oh, ignition no. at sfcatholic.org. <laughs> I'm going to get so many emails. Ignition <laughs> at sfcatholic.org. Um, I'm pretty sure in John's gospel, Bartholomew is never named. Okay. So that's, that's part of the reason why we think... Not definitively, but traditionally, we've always thought, always, that that they're the same. Okay. This Nathaniel comes from Canaan. Cana, sorry. Uh, What do we know about Cana? There was a wedding there. There's a wedding there. We just did something cool. (laughs) Yes. This Nathaniel came from Cana, and he he may therefore have witnessed the great sign that Jesus worked in that place. That's in John chapter 2, where Jesus uh, changes the water into wine Mm -hmm. at the wedding feast in Cana. It is likely, Pope Benedict goes on, it is likely that the identification of the two figures stems from the fact that Nathaniel is placed in the scene of his calling, recounted in John's Gospel, next to Philip. In other words, the, the place that Bartholomew occupies in the lists of the 12 apostles mentioned in the other Gospels. So that's why. That so sense. it's mm-hmm. always Philip and Nathaniel. And if you watch The Chosen, mm-hmm. same Those thing. Get, yeah. Yep. Yep. Philip told told this Nathaniel, this is from John's Gospel, chapter 1, that he had found, quote, him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip really early on met Jesus. And then Jesus tells Nathaniel, uh, we found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So early in John's gospel, the way that he relates the early days here of the uh, Jesus and his disciples, um, Philip uh, is the one who tells Nathaniel um, that they found the Messiah. Mm-hmm. As we know, Nathaniel's retort was rather strongly prejudicial. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, Renee, why would Nathaniel uh, be so prejudiced against Nazareth? Well, Nathan- Nazareth was a like backwater, little hick town, like many may think of some towns in our own time. No, but I mean, some people do, the, they're like, oh, that's just a little small. You yep. Don't blink or you'll miss it as you drive through or right. whatever. So it was very small maybe considered, um, you know, uneducated, yes. things like that. Yeah, like that. So um, 
Nazareth is in Galilee, which it's just north of Judea. Oh, we needed a map. I know we needed oh. I thought about that. <laughs> just now, too late. So Judah, where Jerusalem is in the south, Galilee's in the north, uh, Jews in both places. But the Jews in, in Judah looked down on the Jews up, or Judea, looked down on the Jews up in Galilee mm-hmm. already. And within Galilee, Nazareth is this place. You know, podunk town. Right. So even the the Galileans kind of like what's what's going <laughs> Nazareth, on? Nazareth, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, the Nazareans just couldn't win right. until now. Right. Um. In so Nathaniel's retort was strongly prejudicial. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In its own way, this form of protestation is important for us. So now Benedict's going to do what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it makes us see that according to Judaic expectations, the Messiah could not come from such an obscure village as precisely Nazareth. But at the same time, Nathaniel's protest highlights God's freedom, which baffles our expectations by causing him to be found in the very place where we least expect him. Mm -hmm. So he goes on, but I want to pause there. So God is found in the place, the very place where we least expect him. Nathaniel, th- there's no way the Messiah would come from, like Nazareth. Like if you list like top 10 places, probably, frankly, probably the top 100 places the Messiah is going to come from, Nazareth probably would not have made Nathaniel's list. <laughs> not to crack the top 20, huh? <laughs> probably not, probably not. Almost certainly not the top 20. Um, Benedict draws from this a lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. God surprises, our God is a God of surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, he often shows up in places where we least expect him. Therefore, we should seek to always be on the lookout for him. Mm-hmm. Part of part of the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, and I love, I love this idea. Actually, I'm, yeah, I'm getting heat. Oh, oh boy, here he goes. <laughs> Sorry, that mic is a little... <laughs> I, I guess I can't pound a table, you, Elise. You might so lose the, your mic. I might lose it. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> we should be, we should be expected to be, we should expect to be surprised. We, we should expect to be surprised. We should be on, so this is the, this, for me, the exciting thing. We should be on the lookout, expecting our Lord to be around any corner. He's always with us, mm-hmm. but in a certain way, he's going to show up in the most unexpected places too. So my day could be lived the way that a kid lives Christmas morning. <laughs> okay, here we go. It's present time, baby. I'm going to open up and see what mom and dad and Santa got. Me. Okay, here we go. It's another day. Jesus is going to show up in my life in a way that I never expected him mm, today. Mm-hmm. I can, and I would say should, live that day. Does Chris Bergwald live that way? Usually not. <laughs> uh, but as you can tell, I know that I can right. and I should. I feel like you do sometimes. I do sometimes. Yeah. I can. I, I, I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I One of the takeaways for me about Nathaniel is... Bartholomew, this whole thing about what's the big deal with Nazareth? Like, what's going to come from there? What about me? How op- so? Let's let's spin this more convictingly, if you mm-hmm. will. Do I? What are my own prejudices about where God will or won't be? Mm-hmm. What are my own presumptions about where God will or won't be? Oh, God can never come to me through Renee Kranz mm-hmm. or Elise. 
higher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he can. Mm-hmm. And you guys, that's actually bad examples because that would not be a surprise. <laughs> uh, but, but there, but there are people in my life that I, I won't name. <laughs> that'd be mean. But I, that, like, right now, if I'd say like. Would, would they be in my top 10, 20 people where Jesus is going to speak to me? Mm-hmm. Or circumstances in mm-hmm. life, might be places, might be kind of, kinds of circumstances, situations. Um, do I presume a top 10 list of how God is going to reveal himself to me? Right. Absolutely I do, but I shouldn't mm-hmm. because he can show himself, reveal himself to me in powerful ways whenever and however and through whoever he wants to. So I should always be on the lookout. Yeah. Not in a like, oh no, I'm scared, <laughs> but expectantly. Yeah. What's so, interesting is right now, see, I'm having in my head, uh, back then, they're looking on this small town, looking down on it, like, oh, he can come from there. I think, it, I feel like at least for us in this area, it might be just the opposite now where you might think, I feel like God would be more likely, uh, if he was going to show up in, like, in his return, show up, more likely in a small town, less likely maybe the capital in Washington D.C. Right, right. It or, is called or, the swamp for a reason. Or, I mean, or, or New York City. <laughs> or New York, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd be less likely, but but that might be exactly where exactly. he shows up. Exactly. It's in a, in a bigger sense, rather yep. than you know. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's continue with Pope Benedict. Okay. Um, moreover, we actually know that Jesus was not exclusively from Nazareth, but was born in Bethlehem and came ultimately from heaven, from the Father who is in heaven. Nathaniel's reaction suggests another thought to us. In our relationship with Jesus, we must not be satisfied with words alone. In his answer, so in his answer, Philip offers, offers Nathaniel a meaningful invitation. So in his response, so when Nathaniel says, what good can come from Nazareth? Philip says back to Nathaniel, come and see. It's not words alone. Come and see. And then this key line, our knowledge of Jesus needs, above all, a firsthand experience. Someone else's testimony is, of course, important, for for normally the whole of our Christian life begins with the proclamation handed down to us by one or more witnesses. However, we ourselves must then be personally involved in a close and deep relationship with Jesus. And he goes, I'm going to pause there. Mm -hmm. So Philip is playing here the, the, the role perfectly of a missionary disciple. Mm-hmm. We found the Messiah. Oh, from Nazareth? Uh, no. <laughs> Come and see. So what I love about this, and, and, and there's, there's not a right or wrong here. What I love about Philip's approach is, no, listen, you don't under, he doesn't explain. He doesn't, he doesn't follow up uh, Nathaniel's right. doubt, skepticism mm-hmm. with, with words. Right. He offers an invitation. We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. What could come from Nazareth? Come and see. Mm-hmm. Not an explanation, but an invitation. Now, sometimes the explanation is helpful to the person, right. but I. But some of us, I am one of them, are inclined to give too much of an explanation. <laughs> what? May, no. <laughs> shocking. But true. We need to make the invitation. Right. I need to. And again, this is docility. Lord, what's the best way? Like, right. maybe yeah. guided by him. Okay. So I, but, but it has to get to the point then where Nathan, it's not enough for Nathaniel to hear about Jesus from Philip. Nathaniel has to have a firsthand experience himself. He has to be personally involved in a close relationship with close and deep relationship with Jesus to use Pope Benedict's words here. Um, 
It's not enough for, for me to know about Jesus. I need to know Jesus in a personal way. That's what it means to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. Not to know just about him. Oh, he's from Nazareth. Right. No, but to know him. Oh, I know him and he knows me. Right. I was just thinking that one, a good way to look at that when you say we need to invite you know, we're always thinking about, well, how do I get someone who's asking questions to want to know more about the church? Well, maybe instead of always just answering the questions, we need to say, you know what? Come and see. Come to Mass with me. Yep. And they can experience it there. Yep. Exactly. And then have more questions and, and maybe exactly. be more open to some answers. Yep. And this is where to that, uh, just to to riff on that a little bit, more and more of our parishes across the country, certainly in our diocese, are offering opportunities for adults to learn more about right. Catholic Christian faith. Right. So maybe they're a person who going to mass in some certain certain circumstances, that might be exactly the thing. Sometimes they might, that might like they may be totally like lost. Right. So maybe there's an event going on at the parish mm-hmm. for adults that you can invite them mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's not, but maybe you're the person to start one. Right. Right. Huh. <laughs> sure. Of mm. course. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go on with Pope Bennett. So, however, we ourselves must then be personally involved in a close and deep relationship with Jesus. In a similar way, when the Samaritans had heard the testimony of their fellow citizen whom Jesus had met at Jacob's well, they wanted to talk to him directly. And after this conversation, they told the woman, it is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. Returning to the scene of Nathanael's vocation, the evangelist John tells us that when Jesus sees Nathanael approaching, he exclaims, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. This is praise reminiscent of the text of a psalm, Blessed is the man whose, in whose spirit there is no deceit. But it provokes the curiosity of Nathanael, who answers in amazement, How do you know me? Mm-hmm. How do you, Jesus of Podunk Nazareth, No, me. We've never met before. Mm -hmm. Jesus' reply cannot be immediately understood. He says, before "Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. We do not know what happened under this fig tree. It is obvious that it had to do with a decisive moment in Nathaniel's life. His heart is moved by Jesus' words. He feels understood and he understands. I'm going to skip on a little bit. Um, Nathaniel's words shed light on a twofold complementary aspect of Jesus' identity. He is recognized both in his relationship with the Father and in his relationship with the people of Israel. And he goes on from there, just running out of time. The thing that I want to summarize, Renee, from the rest of it. So going back to Nathaniel, a.k.a. Bartholomew. What did Nathaniel do after this? What did Bartholomew do after this? We don't know. Right. We don't know. We, he was an apostle. Right. So he went and preached. But so many, frankly, there are other apostles that we know nothing about other than the fact that they're in the list of the 12. Right. We don't know anything about them, but they were faithful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, you know, yeah, you'll be remembered for thousands, thousands of years, like Peter, Very James, true. John, yeah. and so on. Yeah. But we don't know what Nathaniel, Bartholomew did. We don't know what some of the others did other than the fact that they were faithful to the Lord. Yeah. So for us today, to me, the invitation here, reflecting on Benedict's words, I really would encourage you to, to find this online. Um, it's an invitation for us 
it's not about fame and glory. And many of us aren't concerned about that, but some of us are. Mm-hmm. It's about being faithful to the Lord. It's not about the rewards. It's about what Jesus asks yeah. us. He'll be remembered by God, and that's all that matters. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Renee. <laughs> You're welcome. Folks, that will wrap up this episode. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with questions about these, this or future episodes. Until next time, may God bless you.